This is ARRL's Eclectic Tech, a bi-weekly look at the technical and scientific side of amateur radio with your host Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Eclectic Tech is brought to you by ICOM. ICOM, for the love of ham radio, is about the passion for an incredible hobby. Visit ICOM in the community webpage at www.icomamerica.com forward slash community. I'm speaking with Bart Yankee, W9JJ, and he's the ARRL Radio Sport Manager. Good afternoon, Bart. Good afternoon, Steve. Good to catch you again, and uh, looking forward to talking about uh, upcoming events here in the contest realm. Well, yeah. I mean, digital contesting has been increasing in popularity because, of course, digital communications in amateur radio has been ramping up in popularity. And, in fact, a month from today, uh, what is it, Bart? Is it June 4th? I think we have the a brand new contest, a digital contest, the ARRL International Digital Contest. Did I get the date right? You sure did, Steve. And this will be the first full weekend in June, uh, a weekend that was chosen to try to strike a balance between the very busy contest calendar that the entire amateur radio community, not just ARRL, uh, enjoys. And then secondly, to have an event where we can hope for increased propagation on some of the higher frequencies um, as this event covers uh, 160 meters, 80, 40, 20, 15, 10, and 6 meters, and with a focus on hoping that there will be a uh, an enhanced propagation on 15, 10, and 6 uh, because of some of the summer e-skip uh, propagation. Oh, absolutely. I'm seeing some of that right now, in fact. Yes, and in fact, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one, um, but in my case, I actually have DX Maps as one of many tools that I monitor, and I actually set it up for alerts, particularly on 6 meters, and it will alert me whenever QSOs made over a 1,000 kilometers are taking place, and I'm seeing more and more alerts every day that the season is growing. I can imagine. Well, now this contest, Bart, being a digital contest, how does it compare to, well, one of the largest digital contests on the calendar, which is, of course, the ARRL RIDI Roundup? How are they different? So this contest was developed to continue to recognize the growing interest in the digital modes particularly the FT modes uh, provided to us through Joe Taylor and his team with the WSJT software. Um, that, together with some of the band crowding that was being expressed as a concern during the RIDI roundup, where RIDI and FT modes were trying to coexist both in a frequency uh, bandwidth as well as a... Um, activity uh, demand where people had to decide, okay, do I get on RIDI? Do I get on FT modes? Um, am I going to be able to work everybody that I hope to work? Uh, you know, there's divided activity focuses and the uh, general uh, conclusion was, is there any reason at this point not to have an exclusive digital contest that's exclusive um, to modes except for RIDI? And the outcome will be that the ARL RIDI Roundup will become RIDI only, RTTY only, in January of 2023. 
And this event, which begins on June 4th of this year, 2022, is all digital modes, um, whatever they may be, excluding Riddy. Can you hazard a guess? What will be the most popular digital mode during this contest? I think it's going to be a toss-up um, amongst the, the newest modes uh, coming out of the, the WSJT environment, uh, probably FT8. Again, FT8 is a sequenced activity, but FT4, I think, is going to make inroads uh, as it doesn't require specific sequencing. Um, so I think it'll it'll have to do with the comfort level of the participants, what modes they've actually used and have significant experience with. Um, I think you'll see some of the newcomers probably more focused on an FT8 environment, while maybe some of the more experienced uh, digital mode users will be using FT4. And again, the in future years, whatever that evolves to, some of those new modes then might take over. Uh, PSK31 still has opportunity here as well. Uh, we expect we'll see some of that. But again, I think by and large, people are going to use the mode that's the most popular uh, or where they'll make the most contacts. And, and again, it'll probably be a mix of FT8 and FT4. It doesn't matter which mode they use in terms of uh, score or points. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, a contact is a contact um, once per band. Just to point out one thing that's unique for the scoring of this particular event is that while each contact counts one QSO point, there's an additional point for every 500 kilometers of distance between the centers of four-digit grid squares of the stations that have been worked. So one of the benefits of this, especially for, say, newcomers or smaller stations, is the goal here, in part, is not only to work as many people as you can, but also to take advantage of the distance between you and the station you're working because a component of your score is the added distance that you achieved by making the contact. And I notice here, I brought up the rules myself here. I'm just looking through them, and I, I see that for FT4 and FT8, that the rules are suggesting that operation take place, it looks like, uh, significantly above uh, FT8 watering holes that are in use today. Yeah, the uh, suggestions that uh, were presented, and, and this was uh, initially work that had been provided via the ARL's Contest Advisory Committee, was to come out with some suggested subbands to give people, primarily newcomers, a place to look for people who are operating in the event. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, either on FT4 or FT8 that that the bulk of the contacts are going to occur exactly in these subbands, but it's a place for the newcomers to start looking and listening. Just glancing, for example, at the uh, suggested or recommended FT8 frequencies, I see here uh, they're recommending uh, 14090 to 14100. So that would place it uh, well out of the usual areas where you find FT8 activity. Uh, understood. And I think the other um, focus here was to um, allow for casual operators to continue to do what they would normally do and not necessarily all of a sudden find themselves drawn into a contest that they either didn't have an interest in participating in or 
became inclusive into without knowing it. Can you imagine what a waterfall display would look like during a contest? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the traditional areas, say 14074 or whatever? Uh, the, uh, I believe the phrase I've heard is the pattern is full. The pattern is full, yes. The pattern would definitely be full. I mean, just on a weekday when 15 meters is open lately, I've seen exactly. the waterfall display just wall-to-wall signals from from top to bottom on FT8. Absolutely. And uh, one of the criteria you haven't asked about yet, but that we uh, we and, uh, and the committees as we were working on this felt strongly about um, was uh, the focus on not having two things, not, not having an overly broad signal, which can be controlled uh, both through audio control and, if you will, RF output. And while we can't um, control necessarily how people set their audio settings, but we hope that they will follow the guidelines uh, as provided through the um, WSJT instructions and you know setup of their own gear. Is that we have limited the power output for this particular event to a maximum of 100 watts, so that as there are many users of uh, narrow channels that. Uh, overpowering or front end overload doesn't become a uh, degrading factor in their ability to to enjoy the event. During a ready roundup, uh, when PSK 31 was just coming into its own, there was a ham and he wasn't doing anything illegal technically. I mean, and, and certainly not in violation of the rules, but he was on PSK 31. And I found out later that he was running uh, 1.5 kW. And it was fairly obvious because his signal on the waterfall was this gleaming, bright display, very nicely modulated, but boy, he was loud. That's a practice um, that experienced uh, operators would um, know to to use in setting up their stations because either, of course, they knew how the, the configuration needed to be set or... They had gotten feedback over time, and, and they've even asked for feedback. How is my signal? You know, they've talked to uh, their friends or, or people uh, both local and over great distances, probably uh, on chat rooms and, and talking about uh, how does the signal look. Um, but again, if you're in an area where you don't have a lot of uh, local operators, you think that uh, running high power may be okay, may not have a significant influence on bandwidth um, for your, loca- your local uh, area. But, you know, when propagation and, and uh, conditions are such that um, signals are, are just extraordinarily strong, um, where your signal uh, comes back down again may be uh, causing challenges to uh, a, a strong or or a large number of stations trying to work you or stations trying to work uh, other uh, stations in and around you uh, that you can't hear yourself. That's true. And by the way, when you mention uh, signals flying back and forth, I should have asked, what what is the exchange, Bart, for the contest? Sure. So the exchange is call sign and grid square. And, of course, those who have operated VHF contests uh, would would understand, um, you know, you, you send your, your call sign in your grid square, you get a response of the other station's call sign in, in grid square, uh, and sometimes it's accompanied by a an R or a Roger. And then finally, 
uh, a either a Roger Roger uh, 2Rs or just RR73 as a reply. Uh, you may have one further uh, exchange potentially, but usually because of the nature of the digital exchanges, you've seen the exchanges, they've seen the exchanges, the final 73 is closure to that particular QSO. And sometimes it'll say call sign, call sign, Roger 73, and even goes into CQ uh, as the next um, statement as a part of that um, transmit uh, exchange so that you can move on, especially if you're a run station, somebody fixed on a frequency looking to work people going forward as compared to you jumping around and um, and answering stations. I was also really intrigued to see that six meters is part of this contest. We felt, uh, the committee in part, and certainly us at headquarters felt that this is the opportunity for um, technicians, if you will, who don't have uh, much in the way of digital uh, segments to actually participate in this event as well. So again, at six meters, they have all privileges, just as an extra class would have. They have a narrow band on 10 meters as well. So even uh, technicians can participate in this contest, have a couple of good bands. And if they're going to have those good bands to, to be able to use, let's give them a little propagation to go with it. And the timing uh, being June offered that opportunity. It certainly would. I mean, usually, at least in my experience, starting in June, six meters opens up, uh, well, might be optimistic to say every day, but it's nearly every day. It is. And uh, sometimes it's it's twice a day, uh, again, uh, late morning, uh, potentially, and then again, uh, mid-evening. Um, any, and again, it could stay open all day. Uh, depends on the, the propagation characteristics of that particular day. Uh, FT8 offering, again, um, modest ground wave as well. So uh, if you've got a VHF station uh, and or, uh, say, a 10-meter and 6-meter beams, uh, you may have a modest number of, of stations that you can work locally as well. Uh, because in this event, everybody can work everybody. There's no, it's not like at the ARL DX contest where uh, U.S. stations can only work DX entities. And I would imagine, Bart, that I'm going to give in to temptation and probably try to operate some of the more obscure modes just for the heck of it. You know, Contestia, Throb, something like that. Sure. And while we don't anticipate seeing a lot of that, because any of those uh, digital modes are fair game, if it's the only mode you have, the only mode you know, or you're looking to experiment, like Steve Ford is in this case, um, it's an opportunity to actually uh, see a little higher level of activity on that mode, uh, other than maybe the, the focus groups or the chat room groups who say, you know, for, for today or this weekend, why don't we all get on um, one of the, the other obscure modes, and let's just have a good time this weekend, for example. Hey, and there's also good old PSK31, right? There is. And that's probably uh, as a more of a, uh, you know, I don't want to declare any particular mode uh, uh, less important than another, but it, it, I don't think we're going to see anywhere near the activity that we will on the FT modes. But there are a, there's a large camp of uh, people who have uh, come up through the digital uh, mode uh, progression over the years and, and have felt strongly and enjoyed 
uh, um, PSK31 and using programs like FL Digi to enjoy that particular mode in a similar fashion to how the FT modes are used. I'll be looking forward to this. It starts, um, and again, looking at the rules, at 1800 UTC on June 4th, I believe? Correct. And then it'll run, which is Saturday evening, depending on where you are in the world. And it'll run through 2359 on Sunday, uh, which is, again, just a minute shy of of uh, Monday UTC. And for the people who are submitting logs, uh, where do they send them? So, as always, for ARL events, uh, upload your log, and this is again ARLHF events, I should say. Up your, upload your log using our website, contest-log-submission.arl.org, and you've got seven days to do it from the uh, last moment of the contest. So you've got until seven days ending at 2359 on the seventh day. And as a highlight for this particular one, uh, for some people highlight, others maybe not, again, this is a digital contest. I, we don't necessarily see any reason that people are paper logging, but because the event uh, is configured in the way that it is, we're not accepting paper logs for this event. Um, an example is the 222 megahertz and above distance contest is also an event where we don't accept paper logs. I will look forward to uh, hopefully hearing you on the air then. I look forward to hearing you as well, Steve. Fifth generation, or 5G, wireless networks are becoming much more common these days. It really was brought home to me when, a few weeks ago, my wife got a new iPhone for her birthday, and she asked me about the odd symbol she was seeing on the screen. Well, I took a look and I said, whoa, your phone has picked up a 5G signal. So naturally, I checked the download speed and it was really impressive, like in the hundreds of megabits per second. So while the 5G build-out is going on, scientists are already preparing for the next generation of the communications technology revolution, otherwise known as 6G. The challenge of 6G, though, is that many of these signals will be exchanged at frequencies well beyond 100 gigahertz. Maintaining a reliable path at those frequencies is difficult, to say the least. However, researchers at LG and Fraunhofer Gestaff have now demonstrated 6G transmissions across a new distance record. They successfully beamed 6G signals between two buildings over a distance of 328 feet. That's a big jump compared to 49 feet set by Samsung engineers earlier this year. Now, I know you're probably thinking 328 feet. Big deal. But in 6G networks, they're planning on having wireless sites in many locations so that one may be separated from another by, say, a 1,000 feet. These would be tiny units with tiny antennas, maybe sitting on top of street lamps or electric poles. You'll hardly notice they're there. The transceivers use adaptive beamforming technology to aim the signals toward the receiver, while high-gain antenna switching combines the output of several amplifiers and sends them toward specific antennas. This is a really clever system. It'll be dynamic, with signal patterns that are constantly changing. It's really wild stuff. But don't go shopping for 6G phones just yet. The most optimistic projections say we won't start seeing 6G until about 2029. Tune in again for the next episode of Eclectic Tech, produced by ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. 
Music is provided by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. If you have comments, email eclectic at arrl.org. This episode is copyright ARRL and all rights are reserved. I'm Sabrina Jackson, KC1JMW. See you next time.